Welcome to Insight, Kingspan Insulation's podcast and all things insulation related. My name is Alexandra and I'm part of Kingspan Insulation's marketing team. Today I have Karen and Matt joining me. Tell me a bit about yourselves and what you do for Kingspan. Um, well, I, hello there, I'm Matthew Evans. I'm uh, Head of Technical uh, at Kingspan uh, for, for Great Britain. So I manage the frontline technical team, um, projects and our product development teams at, at Kingspan. I've uh, been at Kingspan for 14 years, um, always been in construction, so uh, look, look forward to today. Uh, and I'm Karen Jones. I, my role is Residential Development Manager. Uh, the role kind of consists of engaging with industry, working out what they need, uh, and then we use this to then uh, decide what products and services we're going to adjust. So that's my role is identifying those needs. Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for joining me. So today in the podcast, we're going to be talking about avoidable costs and the hidden cost of using cheaper insulation in cavity wall applications. But before we go into the details, could we just start by talking about the government white paper, fixing our broken housing market? So, Karen, tell me, what's broken and how can we fix it? The main problem with the market at the moment is we aren't building enough houses. Uh, the number of houses we built since 1970 is averaging about 160,000 a year. Uh, the general consensus in order to get this number to the right number it needs is about 275,000 a year that we need to do. So it needs to change, uh, and that could be through lots of things like planning everything else, but essentially the market isn't working as it is. Yeah, I just wonder you know, what, what's causing that really. I mean, how can you build uh, more homes quickly? And um, you are seeing the rise, obviously, modular construction, modular off-site buildings. We're seeing that as a uh, increasing demand, but it's got to be done on a kind of, a large scale volume scale volume rather scale, than just as it is yeah as it is you know you can i've seen some of these uh, the areas you're looking it's developing but i don't know if it's larger scale enough at the moment um, but that's just one observation i see at the moment so i think what you may find is is as these technologies develop and people get used to building more the uh, the modular type stuff they may be able to upscale but actually actually at the moment that isn't there so we have to rely on traditional construction in most cases so it's trying to actually ma manage to make sure that more houses are built using that method so whether it means that the, the developers have to change how they're doing things or the planning system needs to change or there's more affordability for smaller developers to to engage and do this type of housing is perhaps the way to way to work it I think yeah I mean there's also the other things that are impacting it's skill shortage we're seeing that yep. all the time and, and you know the investment in the construction industry and how we upskill is a thing that's uh, never had a great deal of focus on now. If you want to up, if you're going to build those more homes, you're going to need more skilled people. And it's, it's actually people that are going to stay in the industry longer, long time, you know. We don't want to just to train someone up and then they do a few years, then they go in different sectors, keeping people in construction. And I think one of the problems you get, get with that is because some of the trades, particularly uh, in traditional housing, can be messy uh, and you're out in all weathers, it's not always attractive. So sometimes the wages may be there, but actually, the whole industry isn't always seems the most attractive industry to get in in the first place. Yeah, actually, do you know, it reminds me, I was at a conference every week and someone said, uh, why did you join, why did you start in construction? And, and I, I thought actually, my, my dad started a, his own building firm, you know, you know, he'd been building over 50 years. And I said, I fell into it because my family was in it. Yeah. And, and in the building merchant, even though I went to university, I still came back and went back into construction. But I wonder if I, family wouldn't have been in construction would I have decided to go in construction uh, I'm not too sure no. and it's how you that's we got to um, entice people to get into construction and I think the key thing is is there is a lot of um, real exciting things going on you know new ways of building digital 
You know, you've seen that. You, you look at BIM, you look at all something. It isn't just the messy side of building now. There's a lot of other complex designs. So, um, so I think actually there is some real you know, interest in areas of construction, but we've got to try and advertise that to get people in. Yeah, I think you're right, actually, is most people end up in construction organically because of circumstances rather than wanting to do it. So actually there needs to be more incentive from the government to do that. And the sector deal that they've put together, the construction industry, may change some of that, but obviously that's got to start being put in place and obviously with change of governments, we don't know how that will, or change of leadership, should I say, we don't know how that's actually going to uh, come out and be affected in the industry. So it is important to build new homes and we know that developers will often look for ways in which they can reduce construction costs during the building of these new homes, often by choosing building materials such as cheaper but often thicker insulants such as mineral fibre insulation over premium performance rigid thermoset insulation. So what what is the difference between these insulation materials and why do they perform so differently? Yeah, so, so I guess mineral fibre, we all know what that is. You know, we use that in kind of cavity walls. That, that's fine, it's a full field kind of material. But actually, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, if you look at the phenolic foam, the cool foam K108 we do, it's a rigid cool foam, high performance insulation, rigid insulation that's used in, in a cavity. Um, and obviously, the, you know, the firm performance is, is, is substantially different. You know, the, uh, the cool foam, which we got, which is a land value of 0.018, uh, you know, it's a really low thermal conductivity. Um, so actually, both materials we've kind of known are used in a, in a kind of cavity kind of wall. Um, but actually, with rigid insulation, you can reduce that wall kind of thickness um, and keep to the additional cavity sizes. You know, the, the problem with uh, you know, looking at kind of mineral wall is that if you want lower U-value to meet the kind of targets that put that, even looking at reviewing part L and where U-values might go, you know, how do you hit those U values and keep to you know, kind of standard kind of cavity sizes? Um, sorry, Clarence. That's okay. Yeah, and so so I mean, what we've done uh, in order to manage this is rather than just going with traditional uh, partial full cavity, which is K one hundred eight, we've actually bought out K one hundred six, which means you can you can use just a ten mil uh, ten mil residue cavity rather than 50 mil so this means that the performance of the product uh, compared to mineral fibre is hugely different in terms of build up of the actual wall construction so this helps uh, so much in terms of footprint which we'll talk about shortly uh, but it's a bit of a game changer actually because before you would have always had to have a 50 mil cavity residue which would always be seen as a waste uh, in comparison so. I think you're right there Karen it's where we talked about earlier isn't it you know how things are moving and, and, and development and, and uh, this is one of those key developments really like you said you're almost doing a, a full fill you're doing a full fill product now a rigid full fill product where it would have been a partial fit of course is what you're saying there and uh, uh, and and yeah I think that's what makes a kind of difference um, I know we're going to talk about some research that's done that's looking at the kind of cost difference um, but you also have a driving rain issue as well don't you is is actually uh, Certain certain products, particularly mineral wool, can't actually be used in uh, in areas where there's high driving rain. So particularly on the coast and things, whereas actually we don't have that problem with the rigid boards. So there's a difference there as well. So it actually makes it a more accessible product for all types of all areas of the country, rather than just inland areas. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So we commissioned some research into the effect on the overall cost of this. Could you talk us through the research? Yeah, do you want me to, I'll, I'll take a bit of a start of it, if you like. So it was a Curry and Brain, and they did some research. Uh, well, the cost analysis was carried out in, was it quarter three, 2017? 
uh, kind of looking at kind of two situations really. Um, so we're looking at uh, housing, a large detached house, a semi-detached house and, and a mid-terrace uh, and two wall constructions. So it's comparing a, well really to get the U value of 0.16. So it was saying what you need to get 0.16. First of all, it was looking at uh, a glass mineral fiber insulation um, and it worked out you need 180 mil of insulation in a masonry cavity wall construction. So a standard masonry wall cavity construction. Um, I mean, actually, the 180 mil, I don't think Isn't actually would be a standard no, size. <laughs> but, to be, but we wanted to be fair and accurate of what we were comparing it against. So it was 0.16. Uh, and you may ask, why 0.16? Well, really, that's the best starting point to where you're kind of achieving the performance of the building need, tackling the fabric first kind of approach. Now, the, what we compared it to, obviously, was the uh, cool firm K106, uh, 90 mil of insulation and 100 mil cavity. So as Karen said earlier, just a 10 mil residual cavity. Really, that's there for design tolerances, really. So if you're getting different tolerances in the brickworks, it, it kind of fits in there. And that was getting 0.16. Um, so straight away, when you compare the wall thicknesses, the difference in the wall thickness was 80 mil. Uh, so the call, the option with the call from K106 was 80 mil thinner overall, and like I said, that was really based on taking a mineral five glass mineral fiber, but was actually 180 mil. You could argue, but a standard kind of size off a shelf, probably pushing 200, 200 mil, yeah. would likely be. So that's a kind of a starting point we kind of looked at. Uh, so we were looking at the cost uh, difference between the call firm and the glass mineral fiber insulation. Yes, the rigid insulation was more money. But this is where it's quite interesting in this research because when you start looking at things like wall ties, there is quite a bit of savings. So just to give you an example, because obviously the wall ties don't need to be as big. So, for example, um, three pane and thirty-three p, the wall ties was for the uh, hundred mil cavity, compared to four pane fifty-one, where you use the uh, glass mineral fiber insulation. And this goes down with other things, things like uh, cavity closers. Uh, tray, uh, cavity trays, lintels, all these things kind of impacted really. And I think one of the biggest ones is, it, particularly that the house builders will be interested in, is the foundation sizes. Is actually it means they can reduce the foundation sizes from nine hundred mil down to six hundred mil, which is which is massive. Uh, just the time taken and, and the considerations for digging it, digging out uh, is a huge is a huge thing. I mean, just quickly bouncing on something is is I know it's not covered uh, necessarily within this case study. But the impact of saving the saving on the footprint uh, could change how many houses they actually fit onto a larger development as well. So uh, that's obviously not covered. So that is an additional benefit that could be made. Yeah, you're dead right, Karen, on, on this kind of research. And you know, when you look at the the cost savings of, of these uh, properties, which we'll go through now, it hasn't taken account what you could get on a, on a site. Um, but overall, when you looked at these kind of costs um, and those kind of savings. Um, overall, it actually looked out. If you looked at a large detached house with an integral garage, with an integral garage, good good point. There was, there was a hundred and sixty one pound saving for a property. Um, a small detached was four hundred and twenty pound, um, and then we did do a kind of mid terrace. Now the mid terrace, the actual, it was actually I think it cost four pound more to do the the rigid insulation option. The only reason that was uh, I think almost the kind of same is because actually there's less insulated wall area so it was a uh, that's the reason comparison but it kind of shows you over a whole site there is a cost saving there but when you originally think about it you're thinking okay that rigid insulation is costing me more money yeah and it's easy to look at that 
you know, and the research kind of shows you, and you think there's quite a difference in cost there. But when you actually start looking at the all the ancillaries, um, it, it, it starts to kind of balance up, and which is what it's shown, and save money, which is... And, and also what you have is not only the ancillaries used within the cavity, but you have, particularly with the roof as well, so the soffit size is changing, the overhangs of the roof, the number of tiles, everything actually affects the cost as well, so it isn't just the actual cavity it affects, it affects the whole footprint, so that's where some of the savings are, are, are given. Uh, they might only be, you might just you forget about the kind of roof area really, but as you said, Karen, you think, you know, if the trusses are just a tiny bit shorter on each one over a whole build-up, you know, that does save save money, and that's what they kind of looked at. So there's a white paper, um, I mean, we've just touched on some of the costs there, haven't we? Yeah. But the good thing about it is, I think you can, when you look at this, you can really dial into the, the detail, which I found quite interesting, very difficult to kind of portray all the kind of the savings there. Absolutely, and if you do want to read the full report, um, avoidable costs, the impact of using low lambda insulation on construction costs for homes with cavity walls, it will put it in the show notes of this podcast as well. So Matt, talk to me, what are the other considerations which need to be taken into account when building homes? Well, this is, this is you know, daylighting is, is the one that, you know, first of all, you think actually, you know, what's all that about? Can I get, how can that improve things? But actually, you know, there's, there's some kind of good research that's been done now looking at the amount of daylighting that goes into a property and how that actually can benefit your health and well-being. You know, and actually, of course, if you've got thinner wall constructions, you know, you, your window reveals are smaller, you are letting more light into the building. So there has been some kind of, you know, real good kind of benefits for sure. We've talked about, uh, you know, uh, mental health, uh, generally physical health, well-being. But actually what it has kind of shown is, is the actual absenteeism from work has actually kind of, you know, improved. When there is more daylight into the building, which I find quite interesting, because even in, you keep on thinking about homes, but what about kind of other kind of workplaces? Because you know I think, I mean? yeah, it, you can, and the daylight is important because it is, it's, it's not about solar gains because it's actually about daylight in general rather than direct sun. Uh, I mean, it's been so important that the uh, there's new regulation, new standard bit that was brought out end of last year uh, in order to look at this to make sure that there is enough daylight. And this is one of the ways that we can help, help or the product can help do that. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it just I think it is broad now, isn't it? You keep on thinking, you know, you can easily just think of a U value and just think, okay, what do I need to get that U value? There's more to it than that. You know, we just covered the thickness of the wall. We just covered the, the amount of daylighting into the building. You know, we've even covered, you look at kind of thermal performance of junctions and detail and model that and make sure that's detailed correctly. So it just shows you that it's, uh, it's a more complex area to look at. And this harks back to the fabric first, <coughs> uh, I suppose, a way of working or, or way of designing houses is actually looking at these type of junctions rather than just putting extra renewables on the roof or whatever, which the cost associated with it, and the cost for maintenance obviously is going to be there as well, is rather than doing the minimum on the cavity, actually doing the the, the best you value you can, uh, but because it's going to be thinner, actually that keeps the, the footprint low and, and obviously keeps the daylight uh, well as well, but also it's about costs. So and longevity of the building is, is and, and how it's been managed is, is a big consideration. Uh, I think this is going to be particularly keen when uh, zero carbon buildings comes in in 2050. But obviously by 2025, we've got the gas boilers being removed, so there may have to be extra consideration for looking at better fabric. Well, you're seeing that now. I mean, I, I believe a lot more new homes now aren't having gas supply fitted. Yeah. You know, and uh, someone I was saying that the other day, and I thought, actually, in my home, I've got gas. You know, you just rely on, yes, I've got gas, but the new homes aren't having that, you know, and they are just going with electric. So it does show you that... You've got to reduce your energy consumption. 
And you have, we have got great examples with Passive House already, haven't you, as well? So I think perhaps design will move more towards that type of design in order to keep costs relatively low compared to adding lots and lots of technology. He's actually doing the fabric first. Well, yeah, I mean, we did this this option on um, like a 90 mil, you know, call from K106, but we now actually do 115 mil fit in a 125 mil cavity to get even lower U values. And that's still keeping in the kind of standard cavity wall size. So it does say you can improve the thermal performance of your home based on pretty standard constructions and cavity sizes. You, you know, you don't have to go to over 200, 250 mil, which has massive in- impact on design and the ancillary components of these. Uh, and site layout as well. And yeah. site layout, you, you know, there's a lot to play there, there really is. That's been really interesting. Thank you both so much for joining me today and thank you for listening. If you have any feedback, please email us on info at kingspaninsulation.co.uk or for more information, visit our website at kingspaninsulation.co.uk forward slash podcast.